Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may tune in. This is Minister Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and welcome to you today. Thank you for tuning in. God bless you, and I pray that this message will be a blessing to you. Today, I want to consider this topic, a tale of two churches. We've heard that before, a tale of two cities and so forth, things drawn from that. But I want us to consider it like this, a tale of two churches. And this is not a tale as if it's a fairy tale. But I want us to evaluate two churches that are mentioned in the scriptures. And we will find these churches in Revelation chapter 3. Now, in Revelation chapter 2 and 3, Jesus writes in the sense that he dictates to John from himself seven letters, one that he wants brought and read and known to each of seven churches in Asia Minor and that day. Each represents several things and different applications, each one of these churches and their letters. These were literal churches in that day, and so Jesus had these specific messages to those literal churches in that day. But these also represent all churches and or even individual Christians within the churches, even to today. There are applications to glean both corporately and or individually as well. These represent churches throughout the time in Christian history, since Acts chapter 2 and the birth of the church. They represent specifics of church history since the early church of Acts 2 and are characteristic of church history through the age since that time. In each church's letter, Jesus identifies himself in specific ways and with a certain title, and these correlate to his message and his evaluation and or commendation or correction of that church. These are like report cards. I love that. Chuck Missler calls them report cards. Jesus cites the good, the bad, and or the ugly when necessary in each one. He cites his evaluation and his commendation or his instruction and rebuke. He gives specific instructions, warnings, or blessings, and he always does provide a promise to an overcoming church or individual overcomers. What I want to focus on today are the last two churches that Jesus references here. And I want us to do that by reading in Revelation chapter 3, and we're going to read in verse 7 through 22. These verses represent the two final churches that Jesus writes to, and possibly the two final churches represented in the whole of Christian history, or what we might call the church age. Many see this as being true and relevant. In verse 7 through 13, he will write his letter to the church at Philadelphia. And in verse 14 through 22, 
he will write his letter to the church of Laodicea. Many have seen and evidence seems to support that at least the last of these two churches fit us today. Now, as I said, there's application and so forth in all seven of the churches. But there are some specific things that we can see and evidence supports about these last two that are very alive today. I propose that both of these are, in fact, alive today. One is alive and very well, and the other is alive and not well at all. Let's take a look at these and see why this may be true and why I believe it is true. First of all, the church at Philadelphia. Philadelphia, the word itself, the Greek word means brotherly love or love for the brethren, love, love for other Christians, love for the people in the fellowship of the body of Jesus Christ. The Church of Philadelphia is one of only two churches that had nothing bad on their report card. Nothing bad, no problem that Jesus had to address. The other church was Smyrna, which represented the persecuted church. So this is only one of two of the seven churches that had no problems that Jesus had to fix or address. I want to read verse 7 through 13 of Revelation chapter 3, and it says this, And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things says he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts, and shuts and no one opens. I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door, and no one can shut it, for you have a little strength, have kept my word, and have not denied my name. Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet, and to know that I have loved you. Because you have kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial, which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have, that no one may take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem which comes down out of heaven from my God. And I will write on him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So this is Jesus' letter dictated for the church at Philadelphia. And he talks in here about several things. He commends them for their works. He commends them for the fact that they have little strength, but yet they have not denied his name. They have kept his word. They are being faithful in every way. Now today, as I look at these two churches, these last two churches, we're not going into the depth of all of what Jesus has to say about these. You can find more about that in two of the different teachings that I've done in the past. One is the Back to the Future, Discovering Jesus in the Apocalypse 
teaching, a study of, of the book of Revelation, and the other is a section, a large section, of the truth tidbits that I did in 2021, and you will find much more detail and things about these various churches in there. But what I want to focus on today is something different. We have the church in Philadelphia, and we have the last one, which is the church in Laodicea. That simply means in the Greek, laity rules, or some have defined it as the justice of the people, people rule. It's one of only two churches with nothing good said about it. The other one was Sardis, the dead church. I want to read about this church in Revelation chapter 3, beginning in verse 14 through the end of the chapter. And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich, and white garments that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him, and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So here in the church of Laodicea, Jesus can't really commend them for anything. They're neither hot nor cold. They've become totally lukewarm. And so he cannot find real, sincere good to speak of them. But yet he loves them. And so he calls for them to come back to him. Here again, there'll be more information for you if you'd like to consider looking at some of the Revelation series I've done and lessons I've done in the past. But the key things that I want us to focus on today are the contrast of these two, the coexistence of these two, the conclusion of these two, and the choice of these two. So first of all, let's contrast them. Now, in that sense, I mean the characteristic. Contrasting the characteristics of these two. What does Jesus actually say is true and valid of these two churches? Well, first of all, he says the church of Philadelphia, they are working faithfully. They are the faithful church, faithful workers. God gave them an open door. Primarily, this is used in scripture for meaning the word of God and an open door to proclaim and to get the word of God out, a, 
an open door for the proclamation and the promotion of the gospel. I'm going to speak on that at a later time as the Lord has given me some things about the open door that I want to share as well. But God gave them an open door and they were faithful. They grabbed the opportunity and they were working to the bone, so to speak. They were tired because they were working and holding on with every ounce of energy they had. They were being faithful to the core. They were working diligently and faithfully, persevering. They kept Jesus' word. Now, this has a couple of different things that I want to bring out about it. First of all, it's similar to the word itself is when it talks about keeping his word is similar to a military fortress or a sentinel in the sense of guarding it, preserving it, attending to it, watching over it attentively. But it also is signifying keeping from loss or injury, preserving it, attending to it carefully, observing, keeping, and heeding it. So they were heeding the logos of God, the word of the living God. In every way that they could, they took it seriously, they preserved it, they held it in high esteem, and they were living lives of obedience, even to the bone with their being tired and exhausted. They were workers and they were persevering. And they had not denied the name of Jesus. Now this is talking about denying or renouncing, disowning it, disavowing it, rejecting it, but it also refers to contradicting. So they were not contradicting his name. In Jewish understanding and in the Hebrew, the name represents more than just an identifier. It's not just an identifier. It really means who that person is, their character, their reputation, their nature, the essence of who they are, the essence of their behavior, which is what a reputation is built upon, the character of that person and who they are, how they act and why they act the way they act. So in not denying his name, they were not acting unlike him. In other words, they were acting entirely the way he would act. They were presenting him properly to the world around them. They were living in accordance with his nature, with his character, with his behavior, with his reputation. And in doing so, they were honoring his name. So the characteristic of this church is that they were faithful in spite of being worn out, exhausted, and having little strength. They were going to make it across the finish line, even if they had to fall across it, in a sense. They're determined they will make it. And Jesus speaks to them and he says, hold on, persevere, don't give up, and don't let anyone else steal or take your crown, what you've worked so faithfully for. He says, just hold on a little bit longer. And his promise to this church is that he was going to keep them from 
the tribulation to come from the hour of trial that was coming upon the whole world from God to test all those who dwell on the earth, all the earth dwellers, those who rejected Jesus Christ. This is speaking of a coming tribulation time. And Revelation tells us more about that. In Revelation chapter 6 through 19, it speaks of this, what we call the tribulation time. Jesus calls it here the hour of trial coming upon the whole world. And Jesus promised this church that he would keep them from it. They're not going to be subject to that. They're not going through it. This is a promise to them. And he gives the promise to the overcomer. Praise be to God. In contrast, the Laodicean church, let's look at the characteristic of this church. They were lukewarm. In essence, they had one foot in and one foot out of the church and of the world. They weren't serious about Jesus. They were not sold out to the Lord. They wanted the world and the Lord. And it doesn't work that way, but that's what they wanted. You couldn't tell the difference from this church and from the world around them. They were neither cold nor hot. Now we need to understand that both were beneficial and helpful and good. Cold water would come from Colossae, and it was soothing and refreshing. It could be used for drinking water or cooking, etc. Hot water was useful also for cleaning things, for medicinal purposes. It came from Hierapolis, where the hot springs were located. It was also good for washing and so forth. But this church was neither. They were lukewarm, and they were sickening to God. They were good for nothing in the sense of having any eternal value. They had no eternal value. They were useless and fruitless in reference to eternal things, the things of God. They were playing the fence. The consequences of this church, Jesus said to them, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. In other words, I'm not going to stomach you. I will not bless you in your sin. You have dishonored me. You have abused my name. You have disappointed me and brought shame to me. And I will have none of it. This church was self-righteous and self-deceived. They thought they were fine. But in reality, they were actually sick, wretched, blind. They were in bad straits. The conclusion, Jesus says, about this church depends on whether they repent. The command to them is that they return, repent, and receive Jesus. Notice that Jesus is speaking to this church, and he's outside the church, knocking, wanting to come in. So he commands them. He says, I love you. I'm willing to come in. I'm willing to sup with you. I'm willing to dine with you. I'm willing to have fellowship with you again, if you will. Return, repent, and receive me. And this church does include a promise to the overcomer if they will heed Jesus' words. So let's consider the coexistence of these two churches 
today. This carries us into today as well as that day when Jesus actually wrote them. They were both in existence at that day, as were the other five. But both are alive today. Philadelphia would represent today the church of people who truly are sold out to Jesus and in love with Jesus. Everything about them is all about Jesus and the gospel. They're like Paul. They're all about spreading the gospel, making disciples, carrying the love of Jesus everywhere, speaking to everybody they can. In spite of stress, affliction, weariness, hardship, and toils, this church is bound and determined to serve Jesus, to talk about Jesus. They're going to keep his word. They're going to obey it. They're going to keep it and treasure it. They're going to bring honor to his name. They're going to live lives that correlate with his name, his character, his nature. But Laodicea represents today a lukewarm or apostate church. They're kind of flitty. They're trying to be popular. They're not holding fast to his word. They're neither cold nor hot. They're playing church. For them, it's all about social club and feel-good messages, giving false hopes and lies to people. They're rejecting Jesus. They refuse his word and its authority and correction over them. They claim to know Jesus, but they have no substance. They're dishonoring his name, not living for him, not obeying him and not honoring his name. Oh, they're very alive today. They're very active and they're very popular, but they are also very deceived. Yet the Lord offers, oh, he offers repentance and restoration to anyone who will repent, recognize where they stand before him in their sin and receive him. It's interesting also in reference to the coexistence. I did some research and found from the Temple Institute that in regard to the menorah in the temple and the lighting and trimming of the lamps, which is what we already know these churches in Revelation to be, and Jesus is working on trimming the lamps in, in chapter 1. Well, in the Temple Institute, they divide the seven in the service, in the daily service in the temple, they would divide the seven into five and two. And the last two of the seven were lit and trimmed at a different time than the other five, but they were both done at the same time together. And it was later in the day, in the daily service. I believe that both of these churches are, in fact, coexisting today in a similar fashion. Now let's consider the conclusion of the two. For Laodicea, the conclusion depended on their choice. The choice was theirs, based upon whether they repented or not. The current status, with no repentance, meant that they were going to be completely vomited by Jesus, refused. They are not a real church. They don't have the Lord Jesus as their own personal Lord and Savior. They're not submitted to his lordship, to his authority. 
And Jesus will have none of that. They're just playing games. They're playing church. They're doing concerts. They're doing whatever else. But it has nothing to do with Jesus, and he'll have none of it. But if they repent, they would be cleaned, restored, delivered. The repentance would bring them into a real relationship with Jesus. But it will also be evidenced by real change and real fruit. The Church of Philadelphia, alive today, will be kept from the tribulation, from the trials that are to come upon all the earth as the Lord tests the earth dwellers in the time of tribulation that Revelation tells us about. This was a special provision and promise by Jesus, so their conclusion is a very good end, including the crown that would await them when they cross the finish line. Both of these churches are alive today. Now lastly, which one are you? The choice of these churches. Which one are you a part of? The choice is yours. I encourage you to choose wisely. Oh, beloved friend, choose to love Jesus and be truly alive, even if you have little strength. Make sure you keep his word and don't deny his name. Because what awaits us will be far worth it. Oh, far better and well worth everything in this life. I want us to see Paul writing about that as we close here. I want us to go out with this scripture passage, and I'd like to read 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning in verse 7 through the end of the chapter. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then death is working in us, but life in you. And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke, we also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that grace, having spread through the many, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Therefore we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. The conclusion of the church of Philadelphia is where we want to be. What awaits us will be far worth it.
the eternal perspective gives us clear vision to make the right choice. Let's be the faithful church. Let's be a part of the real church, the church of Philadelphia, the church that loves Jesus and is sold out for him and is working and is faithful to him to honor his name, to treasure and obey his word, and to serve him faithfully, even when we have little strength left. It'll all be worth it in the end. I pray that this has been a blessing to you, and Lord willing, you can join us again for future episodes brought to you from Covenant Truth Ministries. God bless you today. In Jesus' name, amen.